Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith that is ultimately about inspiring hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this at mygatewayfellowship.com. Okay, our message that we're going to just take a few moments today to talk about, it's simply personal worship. The importance of personal worship. Now, I know it's easy, and especially I only can speak for myself, to get in a habit to go to a church and sit down, and you can just, you know, 11 o'clock, I need to be there, and then you go forth and you leave or whatever. And that stuff can be good because that edifies the soul, and Paul says, let the believers come together. But what is important, y'all, and what's going to get you through the tough times is learning to have that personal relationship with God. And especially you get to the point where God is just speaking to you and you can get to the point where you can just just know that you're in God's presence and what he's doing for your life. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear God, once again, I thank you so much for this opportunity just to share a few words with my friends here. I just asked in a very special way that these words will draw us all closer to you And we will leave here not the same people we were when we walked in. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, um, many of you know, or some of you know at least, I have one of the most crazy heritages in the world. And let me explain why. My family, mother and father, are both what we call Louisiana Creoles. And those are just, uh, you have two groups of people in Louisiana. You have the Cajuns who are originally from, you're going to get a little bit of a history today. You have the Cajuns, who are originally from Canada, and when England took over Canada, Montreal and that area, they had fought against the British, and so they did not want to be there because they knew the British were going to get those who fought against them. And so they knew that there was a piece of, excuse me, a piece of land in Louisiana that was still owned by the French, and so they made their way down there to be in French territory again. And they're really originally called Acadians, and then they eventually broke the word off into Cajuns. And then you have another group of people who are people of color, and they are called Creoles. Now, the Creoles are an interesting group. The Creoles are half African slaves who mix with French and the Native Americans. And they added their language together, which they call Creole which is French words, African words, and a little bit of Spanish, believe it or not, all mixed together, and they call it a gumbo. And so that is what we call Creole. And so my family comes from the uh, group of Creoles there in um, Louisiana area. Now, Louisiana is interesting because it is the only place in the United States that in one year, three different countries owned it. And somebody say, what do you mean three different countries? Well, let me just go back once again, history. Originally, it was occupied, or it was, uh, I don't want to say discovered, because Native Americans had been there for thousands of years, but it was uh, colonized by the French. French and Spain got in a war, and Spain pretty much beat the French, and they took over all of their territory. So the French had... Florida, along with all of Louisiana, excuse me, Spain had Florida along with all Louisiana. And so for 300 years, 
Spain or the Spanish colonies, they ruled Louisiana. And that's why you'll go there and you'll notice there'll be some, uh, some Spanish architect and you'll hear, you'll see street names in Spanish. And you're wondering, how is that possible? Because you can see these are hundreds of years old streets. Well, what happened was this. And you'll see how all this ties in together. Is that Spain was once again occupying Louisiana 300 years. And so there in the port of New Orleans flew the Spanish flag. 300 years. A little short man by the name of Napoleon came along. And Napoleon was whooping everybody. And so when Napoleon was about to do France, start about to fight Spain, Spain just said, you know what, Napoleon, take anything you want. And the first thing Napoleon did, 18, uh, 1803, he claimed Louisiana again. And so the Spanish flag came down off the port of New Orleans, and then the French flag went up. Well, later that year, Napoleon was running out of money fighting against the British, and he needed to sell something. And so he decided with Thomas Jefferson to do something called the Louisiana Purchase. And they sold Louisiana. So that same year, the flag went down again in the port of Louisiana, and then the American flag came up. And that's the way it has stayed. And as a result of that, Louisiana is one of the strangest places. In fact, we have what we call counties here. Montgomery County, Prince George County. Well, in Louisiana, we don't have counties. What do they call them? Parishes. And the parishes were simply, you had the Catholic Church, each had a parish that they pretty much controlled. And to this day, they still are controlled a little bit by parishes. And it's so crazy because the governor in Louisiana has more power than the senator. And it's just, it's just a whole mix. And Louisiana is also the only place, those who may have a law background or know a little bit of law, that they're still under the French law. A lot of their laws are still French law down there. And you say that is the strangest thing in the world. And so they have judges that will interpret the French law of it, what it means, and different things. And so that ties into everything that I want to talk about now. Now, one of the toughest prisons in the world is a place in Louisiana. Does anyone know what I'm talking about, the name of the prison? Angolia. Angolia is one of the oldest prisons in the country. It's almost 300 years old. And since it is under the French law, it is out of control. The average person that goes to Angolia, whether or not you're sentenced for 30 days or three years, the average person is sentenced for 87 years before it's over with. And some of you may have seen the special that they had on the History Channel. 87 years. That once a person gets in Angolia, that it's almost a 90% chance that you will never come out alive. And because what will happen is, is that if you insult the guard, the guard then will add more prison time. If you fight, they add, it just gets literally out of control. And so America was in an awkward situation. We didn't know what to do in the 70s because uh, it had been this way in Angola and they knew it was even worse. In fact, they didn't even allow cars in the 60s there that the prison guards still rode on horses and used whips, believe it or not, all the way into the late 60s. And if a prisoner was doing something just like slave, he would just whip him from the horse. It was just out of control. But then when a person would try to say that they were doing this, the prison guards would, no, no, we would never do that. And it was just a complete mess. 
So what happened is that there was a guy who was sentenced to Angolia for 31 days. That was it. And he was sentenced for a traffic violation. All I can tell you that within the part of his 31 days, his 31 days end up being, at least on paper, 57 years. And he simply would be minding his business and a guard would tell him to do something and he would say he would just say do you want me to do and the guard would you know, hit him and just add time to it and you know, it just got out of control and it just lasted and he actually stayed there for around six months and the end of the six months something unique happened he said that he wanted to speak to the top top guard and the prison guard said, you can't speak to that person. He says, no, 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 I, I need to speak to them. I've been here six months. I need to speak to them. They said, you crazy. You can't talk to him. We're going to add more time onto your sentence for you just even asking that. True story. And so finally, he asked the guard, what would it take in order for me to even just get a message to him? And the guard had said something boxes cigarettes or whatever i'll get a message all this stuff and so he ended up giving him uh, that and he took the message and as soon as the top guard saw the message he came down and this prisoner simply said this let me out it's over with and the guards are standing around, and the prisoners are hearing this, and the strangest thing in the world happened. The guard reaches down, takes his keys out, opens up the jail cell. Now some may ask, why would he have done what what do you Well let me tell you this that, that new guard that new prisoner, excuse me, was actually the warden that had just been appointed by the governor a few months before. And he had told the governor, before I will accept this, I want you to lock me up in the prison. Because I want to see for myself what's going on. Can you imagine the guards' faces who had did all that stuff to him and all this? And here he was now the <laughs> warden. In fact, years later, they made it into a movie called Brubaker. You can still watch it with Robert Redford, and you can see the details of what took place there. But what was interesting is that the guards did not understand who this person really was. And I'm here to say today is that many of us, we do not understand who God really is. In fact, if you turn with me in your Bibles, or we're going to put it on the screen, that this is something that not just for us, but even the disciples struggled of knowing who God really was. Now, they understood Jesus. There was no question about it. They understood Jesus. They didn't understand what he did sometimes. 
But they had a question. And we're just going to read this from, from John chapter 14, verse 8 through 11. That's John chapter 14, verses 8 to, uh, through 11. I'll just read it from the streams here. Now, Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, now notice what he says here. Lord, show us the Father that we will be, that, excuse me, that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, whether it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So even the disciples struggled with knowing the true nature of God. And let me just tell you this. If you read this, we don't have time to go into all of this, but the Bible makes it so clear. The New Testament just points it out that Jesus would constantly say that if you think that I'm doing good, if you only knew the Father and how good, I'm just a reflection of the goodness of God. And friends, the enemy has gone around to try to make us think that when bad stuff happens to us, that God is kind of allowing it. You know, well, he just really doesn't care. In fact, if a tree falls on your house, they will call it a what? Like God really sat there and said, you know what? I'm so mad at Jackie. I'm going to have a tree fall on her house. Friends, these are, these are lies from the enemy. God is good. And God wants good for you. And it's gotten so crazy that even if there's things that we don't understand in our lives, the first thing that we say, and I only can point to myself, is, well, God's not fair. You know what? He just seems to bless everybody else but poor me. Friends, that is not from God. For the scriptures say that God is good. And that God wants good for you. That I believe Jeremiah verse 29 chapter 11 when it says that that God has a plan for all of our lives. Plans that are good and plans for us to prosper. I believe that in my whole heart. In my whole soul. In fact, there's another scripture I want to share with you real fast, taken from the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. That's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if the son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake. If you then, you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Once again, friends, we're talking about the nature of God. 
that God has a plan for us. Even though sometimes we may not understand what it is and how it's going to work out a certain way. God has a plan and you have to remember this. God is always good. Let me repeat that. God is always good. And so that's the challenge that we all have is that when we face the challenges and things that we don't understand is to forget that God has your back. That God wants good for you. That if an earthly father knows how to give good to their children, just how much more does the creator of everything know how to give good to us? In fact, it reminds me of a story. I remember... Um, Many of you, you hear the days that I was in the military. I was just talking to someone about this the other day. And they read my story, and, and especially it seems like it was so fun. You know, Terry's doing this, you're making mistakes, and he's laughing, and that one. But I'll be honest with y'all, that there was a time I will never forget when I had flunked out of everything. I had gone to the shooting range it didn't work. I, I end up getting the lowest score that anyone has ever got in the history of the shooting range. They still, no one to this day, I'm not even joking. No one to this day has even gotten that low. They still, I'm, I'm on a record book somewhere. <laughs> and I remember that I had to go in and I had been a Christian uh, there in police academy in the Air Force. And, you know, and, and those who know how it is trying to be a Christian in a secular place, you know that is just, it's not the easiest thing. Some of you have jobs where you know exactly how that is, that you try to be a believer and you uh, try, and you've know, you got to be careful of what you do, and people are constantly looking at you, and you're not even realizing they're looking at you until you do something wrong, and then they're the first one to point out, I thought you were a Christian. Constantly, over and over. And so when I flunked out, I will never forget the hardest thing in the world for me was when I had to go in the barracks and pack my bags up in front of a hundred guys. And all of them knew that I was a Christian. And I remember it started with one guy laughing and he simply said, hey, Terry, where's your God at now? And that's all it took. People started laughing, saying stuff. I mean, they just, holy boy, where's your, I mean, it just, you name it. And I had to go to a place where they call casual. And casual is where you have to wait until another group starts all over again. And all I can tell y'all is this, and I have never shared this, I don't even share this in the book. In casual, the very first week, because I didn't want to break my mother's heart, the very first week of casual, since I was in between starting groups, for eight days, I had to stay in a hundred person barracks by myself. I would have to sit there 
by myself. Can you just imagine a hundred beds? You're the only one in the whole room. Day after day, I would come in and just sit there by myself. And casual, Darren probably remembers this. And I know you've never probably been to casual, but you've seen it. That they don't even allow you to tuck your pants, your shirts in your pants. Because normally uniforms, you know, you see crisp and all this stuff. They say you're not worthy to even look like an airman. So you just walk around with your shirt untucked. And that's how everyone knows that you're in casual. You would have to eat in the barracks by yourself. I would have to go there, get my tray, then walk, literally walk, I don't know how far it was, probably from here almost to Sligo Church, to be honest with you, with my tray, and then go to my barracks and sit there by myself and eat. Eight days doing that by myself. Almost 98% of the people who are sent to casual leave. Some just go AWOL. They just, just, they, they just leave and they get in trouble and all this stuff. But I remember being there and saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And I'll be honest, I was just, God is not fair. Here I am trying to do my best. I've done Bible studies for people in my basic training. I've done Bible studies in front of everyone in my whole little group. And here I am now, all by myself. And maybe there's someone here today that you're going through a situation at your job. Or maybe you're going through a situation even in your life. And it just feels like God's not fair if you're completely honest with yourself. It feels like God's not there. And if you start to listen to that little voice inside of you, it will get louder and louder. God's not fair. Look what he's doing to you. Why would he allow that to happen? And I remember that was a time in my faith where I was just getting ready to just walk away. But the only thing that saved me, well, actually it was three things. The first thing is that it was prayer. Friends, you have to get to the point where you learn to do personal worship by yourself. I was just so glad that my, I had just really, to be honest, I was raised Christian, but I had really started practicing my Christianity when I went into the military. And I was so glad that someone had told me, so I started praying to God during the good times and learning to do it. Because let me just tell you this, is that if you don't do it in the good times, don't think that you're going to instantly do it in the bad times. You ask people who are in a car accident, the first word that they said, if they had not practiced, it's not going to be a nice Christian word. If you're really not trying to work on yourself. But friends, even when I didn't understand it, I, I just tell you, I'm, I, I would just took that time and I, and I just was talking to God, just straight up, God, why are you, I don't understand this. But I was so glad I continued to talk to him. So my challenge for you, learn to have that connection once again with God right now.
Don't wait until something bad comes up. Don't wait until you're in a barracks all by yourself. Learn now to have that one-on-one time with God. The second thing is that I was so glad that I had my Bible with me. And I would just read little passages. And friends, I'm just going to tell you, this is the honest truth. Is that when you're going through situations like that, you don't understand that God's Holy Spirit will give you the right verses to look at. You don't even have to be a theologian. You just open up the Bible and I guarantee he will just lead you. And you're going to read stuff that that you've read a thousand times. And for the first time, it's going to make sense to you. And I just remember scripture after scripture was just like talking to me. Hang in there. God has a plan for your life. Many of you hear me quote, which I did earlier, Jeremiah 29, 11. That was the first time that I had ever read that verse. I just flipped it open and I put my finger down and there it was, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. So there I am in that great big empty place by myself reading that God has a plan for my life. And those scriptures gave me hope. And the final thing is that I was so blessed to be able to have someone at least every couple days I was able to call. And that was my mother, but it could have been anyone. That's why I want to stress to y'all, make sure that you get someone that you can call that's more spiritual than you. Please don't get someone who is less than you are and you call, they're going to bring you down. You need to be able to have at least one or two people that you can call that when you're going through something rough and they can just simply say, brother, sister, let me pray for you. You're going to get through this. And that's what I was able to have. Those three things. And it made such a difference in my life. All I will do is tell you this, and this will bring it all together, is that I end up being assigned to a new group after those eight eight days, almost two weeks, didn't leave, thank God. And as a result of me not leaving, they were recruiting for the president's honor guard at the White House. And the most amazing thing in the world was that they had delayed it by two weeks of them coming. No one knew this. I didn't even know this. This was all from the White House. As a result of me being back there for two weeks, I happened to be then at the right place when they were recruiting for the White House. Then it all made sense to me. God knew exactly what he was doing. Because if I would have been with my regular group of people, would have left, I would have been gone by the time they came down the recruiting. But God saw the bigger picture. And that's why I want to tell you that if you're going through something difficult right now, something that just really doesn't make sense, don't listen to that inner voice that wants to say, God's not fair. God's allowing this to happen. This stuff always happens to me. Because that attitude becomes like a snowball going downhill. It gets bigger and bigger and then finally gets to the point where it is out of control and so that's what I want to leave you here with today get to know God I saw a bumper sticker 
as we close. And you've seen this bumper sticker so many times. And it simply says, no God in all, no peace in all. And then the bottom part of the bumper sticker says, no God in K-O-W, no peace in, excuse me, K-N-O-W, no peace. No God, no peace, no God, no peace. So the question is for you. Are you in the N-O mindset? Are you in the K-N-O-W mindset? I want to challenge you this week. Know God. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we know that every message is not by accident. Lord, I just feel in my heart that there's someone here today that's going through some stuff that they just don't understand. And Lord, it's so easy. I know I have been there so many times of to start listening to that little tiny voice that you're not fair, that you're allowing this to happen. But Lord, but when we K-N-O-W you, when we truly know you, we will know that you have a plan for our life. That even when we go through difficulties and things that we don't understand, you are in control. And you only allow little things like that to happen to us because you know that there's going to be a blessing on the other side. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Help them to understand they are not in this place by accident today. That this message is just for them, dear Lord. That you want to do something special in their life. But you're saying that during this time of peace, and even though they may not understand, that that you're saying, please take time to really know who I am. And Lord, we know that the disciples who were with Jesus physically every day, they didn't even know who God was. And so who are we to say that we think we know we don't, dear God? But you told us in the other verse, ask and it will be given. Seek and we will find. Knock and the door will be open. And so I pray right now, If there's anyone here, dear Lord, that they will knock on that door and you will open it up, dear Jesus. We thank you in advance for what you are going to do. Let everyone say, amen. As we close here, come on up, Jackie. There's a famous picture, and I was trying to get it to show y'all is that Harry Anderson, I believe, uh, the picture of Jesus knocking on the door. And uh, many of you had seen that picture. You know, Jesus is knocking on, a, knocking on a door. But when he turned that picture in, oh, yes. When he turned that picture in, they gave it back and said it was incomplete. Prefi, you know why they said it was incomplete? If you look at the picture, there's no door handle. And every time you look at it, look at it, you'll see it in Christian bookstores, you'll see it in Bibles, and it's simply Jesus knocking at the door. 
And he looked at it and said, nope, I did that on purpose. Because you have to be the one to open the door up for Jesus. Jesus is not going to force himself in. He's not going to. No, I did it on purpose because I wanted you to be the one that has to open the door when Jesus is knocking on your heart. And so when you go home tonight, I'm not going to say stand or anything, but seriously, when you're in the privacy of your own home tonight, no one's around. You just talk to God. Just ask God to do something special for you. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.